millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We all get in the boat, we all roll the same way. And everybody that's not rowing the same way goes overboard. Hello and welcome to the Roker Report podcast in association with Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. My name is Rich Spate and I'm joined to discuss our trip to Wembley, Sunderland's playoff final against Wickham Wanderers on Saturday by Ant Waterson. How are you this afternoon, Ant? Yeah, mate, the, the longer the week goes on, the more nervous I'm getting, but I suppose that's good. Yeah, same here, definitely. And we've also got, joining us down the line from the northeast. we've got Gav Henderson. How are you, Gav? Not bad, mate. Well, I say that, I'm, I'm on my 10th nervous poo of the day, comforting <laughs> my way through a full pack of uh, of biscuits, but other than that, no. I'm, the nerves are starting to hit today, like, the, I've been, I've managed to keep a lid on it all week, and then today I'm just, I'm just... Starting to feel real now. The tickets are dropping in through the emails and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, uh. I'm distracting myself by making fun things on social media, <laughs> Cl- <laughs> clipping out the the, the lastest pod and all that. But we've got a game to talk about. We've got football to talk about, and it looks like Sunderland are basically up to full strength. We've seen pictures of Carl Winchester in training, Leon Diaku, Nathan Broadhead back in contention as well. And I'll come to you first. How much of a boost is it really just having all of those options? And who, if any of them, would you have back in the starting eleven on Saturday? It's great to have a full squad available, isn't it? You know, who wouldn't be happy with us? Obviously, you know, we haven't seen Diago for a long time. And to be honest, I don't think he'll get in the squad. Winchester is amazing to have back, considering he can defend, he can attack. But I think he's on the bench for me. The one I'm starting is Nathan Broadhead. I think mm-hmm. we just if he's fit, we need to play him. Um, I know that we won the playoff semi-finals without him. We managed to get through to both legs without having to come on. It come up what about a minute or so in the second leg. But um, for me, we need. To, I think we can beat Wickham with pace, so we just need our pacey players playing. I don't know who I'm dropping. Mind, I haven't got in my head who we're dropping yet. But um, for me, I think we need Broadhead in the side. So, but it's great to have a full selection. It, it gives. Alex Neal, an opportunity if someone does go down in training and he's not risking them, you know what I mean? They're not like, if there's 75-8% fit there where we can bring Jacko in, McGeady, it's a great thing to have really, especially at, at this time, it's a cup final, you know, it's great to have a full squad available. It totally is, and Gav, I think Winchester's the interesting one really at the home game against Wickham back in, in the autumn, last autumn, he was a delight down the right. Can you see him pushing Lyndon Gooch for a space maybe on the right-hand side of a back five, or do you think it might be a bit early? Well, it might be a bit early for him coming back straight into the starting eleven. I don't think he plays. Um, I think the one thing we've got to consider in this game is that Wickham are going to 
they're going to allow us a lot of the ball and that means that we have to try and find ways to break them down mm-hmm. and I just don't think Winchester suits that type of game. I know what you're saying about earlier in the season but to me Winchester's game has changed a lot since then when it was a case of him playing right back under Lee Johnson. He was getting forward, he was part of a team which was playing a different style of football. I just think on this big pitch that we're more likely to see a, a back three and I know he's played in a back three a fair bit on Alex Neal but I just think that you'll probably go with Dennis Serkin a fit with uh, Danny Barth through the middle to try and handle Sam Vokes and then Bailey Wright to the right-hand side. Um, I think the way that we... I don't know if I necessarily agree with Ant saying that we um, that we have to... that we'll beat them with pace because Wickham, because like I said, they allow you a lot of the ball and they sit so deep that getting pace in behind is actually really difficult. I think where we win this game and has been the case in, in other games against Wickham... Um, even this season, I think Elliot Embleton was really influential in both games. Mm-hmm. And I think the the secret to beating Wickham is probably in getting players around that number 10 position because they're going to leave a gap. They're going to sit so deep that they will leave gaps around the box. Get Pritchard, get Broadhead, get Embleton into that sort of zone. And we might have to you know, shoot from range. We might have to, we, we might have to test the keeper a bit more than we would normally would. From from different positions around the box, I think that having said that, Jack Clark will start because he's a favourite of Neil. And he, to be fair, we don't really have another left sided player to play there. Um, I think the one player who might and people might shoot us down for this, but I think the one player who might miss out is possibly Patrick Roberts, even though he got the winner. Um, in the sec, well, the winner, the 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 equaliser in the second leg, because I think that you've got to try and find a way of getting Embleton and Broadhead on the pitch if they're fit. And that probably means sacrificing Roberts and going with Pritchard in behind two strikers. Like I say, Embleton, again, another controversial pick, I would say, but I would probably start him ahead of Luke O'Neill in this game because O'Neill um, has a particular set of skills, but I'm not too sure that it's in this game that that's the best utilisation of him in that, yeah, okay, they're going to bombard the box with headers and stuff, and that's where he would come in useful. But... I just think getting Embleton into the middle of the park might be the difference in this game. We need we need our players to be able to move the ball around. We're going to need to be able to shoot from range. And that's possibly why this game suits him more. I think that's that's really interesting thought, really, about how you get the right players on the pitch to do that job against Wickham. And that's one thing I think I've got a lot of confidence in Alex Neil to do, which is to pick the right starting 11 to go out and beat these. And there's been a lot of talk about kind of two, I guess, technical issues around the game. One is the size of the pitch. And we heard uh, Max Power talking about how it's not that much bigger than the Stadium of Light, but it seems bigger and feels a lot bigger to play on and whether that's going to come into it. And also the dreaded uh, VAR. So what are your thoughts on those elements and how they might play into uh, the game on Saturday? VAR, I honestly couldn't care less about. You know, it, if it's there, it's there. If it's not, it's not. To be honest, it'll probably benefit us more than Wickham. You know, when Wickham like the shit house, don't they? We saw what happened in the home game this year where one of them's left mm-hmm. one on Luke O'Neill and somehow the officials have all missed it. So for me, I, I just don't really, it hasn't really entered my brain, to be honest. I haven't really thought about how it could be, you know, detrimental to us. I think, if anything, it's going to be beneficial. So... For that one, I'm quite happy with having it, to be totally honest. 
The pitch, I think Max Power made a hell of a point on his podcast. You look at the games where we played Wickham at home, we've won and we've and we've looked good against them because mm-hmm. we've used the pit, we've used the Stadium Lights pitch to its to an extent. Like what Gav said, we've had we've wrapped shots away, you know, we've we've managed to get in behind. Whereas at Adams Park, we've normally struggled because it's such an enclosed pitch. It's a a bit of a voiceless atmosphere. It's a little bit, you know, it's uh, claustrophobic. Whereas at Wembley, with it being so open as it is, you know, that's where I can see us. That's where I'm like quite confident with us winning because it's it's going to be quite an open pitch and it's something that obviously we've used well at the Stadium of Lights. So I'm hoping we can do it again at Wembley. Yeah, I think you're yeah, you're absolutely right on the pitch. I think on on VAR, I'm a little bit skeptical about it just because it seems a bit of a curveball that they're throwing in into the preparations and something that the squads, both squads, I guess, haven't really experienced before. Maybe more of our players have played with VAR than. Than theirs, um, I think probably Sam Vokes has played with it um, for for Wales for them. But Gav, what what are your thoughts on the video assistant referee coming in? Because I know some people have definitely seen it as an advantage to us. I'm I'm not so sure. I, I think when I think about the way Wickham play, <laughs> naturally I feel a little bit more assured by the fact that it's there. Um, just because I remember the way that they, they try to bully Patterson down at their place. Mm-hmm. I watched the MK Dons two-legged playoff games and in the first game, there was a goal against MK Dons from Wickham, which wouldn't have stood with VAR. And mm-hmm. it was very similar to what they did to Patterson when we played them. They, they, they like to crowd out the goalkeeper and pin them in. And mm-hmm. then Jacobson likes to whip those left-footed crosses and balls into the into sort of the, the six-yard box to cause issues. That's yeah. not to say that they, they won't cause issues because of VAR. You know, they might, they'll might they obviously be planning for VAR. They might slightly change up the way that they play. But to me, I think it, it probably, at this stage, advantages Sunderland more. The, the one way where I think it could probably uh, affect us in a, in a negative aspect is that Ross Stewart is caught offside so often with those mm-hmm. long legs and log arms and stuff, <laughs> you know. He, he, it's difficult to keep them on side a lot of the time, and I'm yeah. I, I feel as though there could be a time in the game where he scores, he gets given us offside and ruled out. But ultimately, I think that if VR was brought in to try and stop a lot of the dark arts in the game that teams get away with, and there's no bigger offender than, in my eyes than Wickham. So yeah. I'm hoping it, it's to our advantage. It's just one of those, and it we can't predict what's going to happen. I think ultimately. When you look at the two teams and the way that they play, it's probably worse news for Wickham than it is for us. And they they'll they'll have to think long and hard about how they try and expose the biggest weaknesses in our team uh, in in a different manner. Because in my mind, Gareth Ainsworth will have been looking at it and thinking we we put two or three men around their goalkeeper whenever we get the chance to, and try and get knockdowns, try and win headers, try and get second balls and dropping in the box to score goals from. And like I say, it could be the case that. They do score goals from from that, but when I was trying to work out what Wickham's biggest threat would be going into the game, I definitely thought it would be set pieces, and VAR doesn't favour teams who play like that. So we're going to see, we're going to find out. But um, I, I agree with what you've just said, it is a curveball. I'm not really sure why they've chosen now is a good time to bring it in, but I'll be honest, when I heard the news, I, I, there was a sigh of relief. I just just what Gav said about the the MK Dons game. I think if you can remember the second goal at Adams Park, the, it would have been disallowed for offside because there was a guy on the line. Was I think it was Vokes, and then there was a guy impeding Patterson, and he was actually stood behind him. So it would have been it would have gone down as an offside goal. So you know if they are going to do that, they're going to have to be very very careful. And I think they 
their prob- their their game plans probably changed since that decisions come in that VR is going to come in. So it, it, yeah, it's it's like why now? But you know, for me, it's it's a little bit more beneficial for Sunderland. Just on the pitch, I know you mentioned that before. Um, again, to my mind, that advantages us. Wickham Adams mm-hmm. Park is a tiny little pitch. Mm-hmm. The crowd's right on top of you. It suits them. Stadium of Light is a big pitch, and earlier in the season we managed to beat them. We've beat, I think we beat them four 0 under Phil Parkinson at Stadium of Light. We've shown we can beat Wickham by big margins on big pitches. Now I know they've got more. Re- the, 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 two years ago they won the playoffs against Oxford, and that's one thing you've got to take into consideration is that when they played Oxford, Oxford are another team who like to knock the ball around. Yeah, but. That wasn't with 45,000, whatever it is, 50,000 Sunderland fans in the ground. That's the other thing. If we are really on our game as a fan base, we can make this like home game, big pitch, which we're used to, the players are used to. That's the top and bottom of it for me is that in, in all of this, I think we have to give ourselves a little bit more credit and think, what are we going to do? What are we going to do to hurt them, not the other way around? Obviously, we've yeah. got to consider Wickham's biggest strengths, but a lot of the talk going into the game and talking about the game with people, certainly from my point of view, people I've talked to, has been about how we stop Wickham. And I just think there's a lot of advantages in this game for Sunderland in terms of the size of the pitch, the amount of fans there. The fact VAR's coming, I think, is probably in our favour. And maybe we should just focus on that, because I know Alex Neal will be. He'll yeah. he'll not be sat there worrying overly about Wickham. He'll be thinking, I've got better players. Just like Max Power said on the pod that we did with him, Sunderland have got the better set of players. How do we put together a performance over 90 minutes or potentially 120 minutes to beat this Wickham side who really would have preferred a smaller pitch with less Sun and fans in the ground. Definitely. You made a, a great point about the atmosphere and about you know us lot going down there and really making it uh, an occasion that our players can step up to and that their players... You know, maybe only Sam Vokes or, or or a couple of them have, have ever experienced what we'll be able to bring to the table as a fan base. And I think one one thing I was going to mention later, but I'll mention now, is obviously the the spirit of thirty seven group uh, uh, putting on a display before. And I think we all have to get our seats beforehand. I think it's going to be in the top tier and the the lower bowl, but they were still looking for volunteers in the lower bowl as well. So it's worth going on their social media and checking out if you can get into the ground a bit early. I think they want you in for one o'clock to help out and probably best to get in your in your seats for two. Gav, you want to come in on that? Yeah, just to mention on the display, from what I've heard, and I don't want to give too much away because obviously that's down to the group, but from what I've heard, it's going to be special. Possibly yeah. the biggest ever display seen at Wembley, so... Let's just hope that it, it all adds to the occasion because they've put a lot of effort in, a lot of people yeah. put their money money in to, to do them a, a big favour. So, uh, in fact, you've got to say as well to the lads who've, who are organising all of this, like, fair play, because they don't have to do it. No, but they, want it, they, want, they want it to be a special occasion as much as the rest of us. They've done amazing and well done everyone who's kind of put money behind it as well because, obviously, it's it's a big collective effort. So, Ant, you got your tickets? Have they arrived in you? In the email, yes, yes, I've had my tickets arrived today. Um, I've printed it off, and and that's what Gav said earlier on. And now the nerves have kicked in because everything's like it's we're ready to go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to quote the famous uh, walkout song, but yeah, the tickets are here. Yeah, it's just a matter of waiting till Saturday now. So I'm going down on Saturday. Yeah, you're going down on Saturday. Um, I'm going down on Saturday. Gav, are you Saturday traveller as well? No, Friday. I'm getting the earliest trains I can out of Newcastle. Right. Um, no, there's there's four, there's thirteen of us on the train eight o'clock Friday morning from Newcastle down to London. So I I I couldn't sit there all day. I couldn't even sit there 
waiting for Saturday, waiting to go down. I I get serious FOMO, so I'd want to be <laughs> want to be at Trafalgar Square the night before and all the rest of it. So yeah, we're doing everything that we would normally do. We're going down nice and early. Uh, try and get there, get my bags dropped in the hotel. Some obviously we're not able to check in. Find a pub and just see how the day goes. But uh, probably head towards Covent Garden like we normally do. It tends to start at Covent Garden and naturally progress along to Trafalgar Square. Yeah. And if it's anything like the last two occasions, it's going to be mad. So I'm I am really looking forward. It's all I've thought about for a week, to be honest. <laughs> even even right now, sitting here talking to you two, I'm just itching to get down there. If I could. If I could, I would probably be in London right now, even two days early. <laughs> yeah, totally. And we know that people have already started making their journeys. Our Martin's been uh, travelling over from, from Australia. There'll be people travelling from all over the world and arriving in either in the northeast or in in London over the next few days. So it's going to be nice to to sit and watch on the socials. And then and then I'm getting up with, with the boy and getting a nice, comfortable, fast train down from from Wales and and uh, arriving at a nice uh, time mid morning and and gonna make my way up to the ground. So where, whereabouts have you got your ticket, Ant? Um, I'm in the lower bowl somewhere in the corner. I'm about four seats back from Michael Dunn, so that'll be <laughs> all right. If we win, I'll be jumping on his back. So uh, yeah, um, we've managed to book the box park, which is just close to Wembley. Yeah, uh, I know that they were selling tickets and all that, so we've managed to boot that. So as soon as we get down to King's Cross, we're going to get across Wembley, get into Box Park, and then we're there. But yeah, I think I've got decent seats. I don't think there's a bad view in Wembley, is there? No. You know what I mean? It's, it's a it's a wonderful stadium. But yeah, the, the view is good. Yeah, I can't wait for it. I'm uh, I'm up above the the scoreboard at our end of the uh, the ground, so right up in the gods. Uh, a role behind some of the other lads from from Rope Report, so that's going to be that's going to be fun as well. Uh, Gav, whereabouts are you going to be? Uh, I'm at the front of the upper part of the upper tier, so right. I did. We didn't go for the cheap seats. I just had a nightmare with tickets. To be honest, my bank kept knocking back um, payments for whatever reason. I thought I was thought I was doing something dodgy. I actually went through about six hours of phone calls with the bank to sort that out because they were they were wondering why I was trying to spend hundreds of pounds on Sunderland. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I ended up not getting tickets where I wanted them, but I still bought the, the Cat Four tickets in the upper tier. So, like Answer said, to be fair, they're all good seats in Wembley. I don't think I've ever, although actually, no, I'm talking rubbish. The last time I was there, I was row two behind the goal, and it was awful. I couldn't see anything. Right. Other than that, though, if you're any further, I think if you're further back, you're probably mm. all right. So, sorry to anyone who's got those seats this time. Listen to this. Um, Gav, I was row two behind the goal as well. I was. Well, I, right. I must have been next to Adam and you. You know, so <laughs> yeah, I was. I was quite close then. It, it, it was about. I, I, yeah, I do take that back because that wasn't a great uh, view because we didn't know we scored. Did it? Like it, exactly. Keep it yeah. missed it, yeah. and then we didn't know it had gone in or not. Yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, you're right. You've just you've just brought that memory back. Actually, I remember that now because obviously it was a really weird goal, wasn't it? But we couldn't yeah. see that other end of the pitch, and all of a sudden, like the. The ripple effect raw went round the ground, and I just looked at me, man. I, was like, I think we've scored. <laughs> <laughs> and then and I had to turn round and look at the scoreboard and see it back, and we couldn't believe what we were watching. But yeah, so if you're behind the goal, sorry, <laughs> I've probably just ruined your weekend. Um, you might want to try and swap your tickets for somebody. But now nah, we're up a height, we're in, we're in decent seats. Um, yeah. I'm just yeah, it could be anywhere for me. I did want to be behind the goal, sort of towards the back, because I've heard. The last few times we've been there, that's where the atmosphere has been. It's been quite lively. And I did have those seats in me in my basket, but obviously Lloyd's Bank decided that I wasn't a it wasn't a viable option for us. So I've ended up in the gods, unfortunately. Well, I I'm gonna I'm gonna be there on my own. 
but my uh, my son and my dad are going to be in the posh seats in, in in with the padded seats near the halfway line. They both got concessions, so they were actually reasonably cheap. Uh, so uh, they they'll be having a, a whale of a time in the posh seats, and and I'll be uh, bringing my binoculars to to see what's going on right up in the gods. But just a, a little note, actually, I know that loads of people are going to be listening to this on the way down um, or planning their uh, little uh, trips to London. It's really just a little bit of a travel guide. I know that some people are a bit kind of nervous about using the tube, uh, although. A lot of us have been down a few times in the last few years. Things do change in London. Gav, you were saying that you can use your contactless uh, on the gates yeah, in the yeah. tube now, which is a is a big thing. You don't have to go and buy tickets. You just use a just use a card and and ping in and ping out, and it and it charges yeah. your, your card. Yeah, I was down there the other week for a rugby game at Twickenham, and it's so easy to use. Just use your. I was using Apple Pay on my phone, but you can use your contactless yeah. card, and it's literally just a case of when you get on the tube, you tap in with your contactless. When you get off, you tap out. If you get on a bus, it's the exact same. You don't even interact with the driver. Mm-hmm. You walk on the bus, and it's the same as the tubes. You just you just tap your card. That might sound a bit scary to people thinking, I don't know what I'm spending, but it's capped. So um, providing you actually remember to scan in and out, because my dad didn't remember to scan again and end up get charged about 16 quid, um, because right. it obviously charged him as though he'd stayed on the tube all the way at the other end and back round, I, pre- I presume. Yeah. Um, but providing you remember to scan everywhere you go, it isn't a great amount of money. I think I spent, I was probably on the tube four or five times um, and about six buses all in one day traveling about. And I don't think it was much more than eight, eight or nine quid. So That's great. Yeah. So I would advise people do that. I mean, if you've got an Oyster card, then great, use it. Um, I know I know quite a lot of people still use those, but in terms of just getting about, it's really it's really really straightforward. You don't realise how far behind we are in the northeast when you go down there and you <laughs> use the public transport. It's so easy. I mean, after that trip, I come off the plane, got to the metro station, had to buy an all zone metro ticket just to get back to where I wanted to be. With staff stood all around who said nothing. Got down to the metro and found out that it was off between. Pelor and South Hilton so we had to get off at Hewith we had to get a bus which we waited ages for the bus dropped us nowhere near home I had to get a lift from where I was and I just this was after spending the full weekend in London and having it so easy so make the most of it it's not as daunting as you think because the yeah. public transport's really good yeah just a just a really quick guide um, Wembley Central which is on the west side of the ground which is where we are this time in the lucky side of the ground where we won on in, in 1973 that's the closest uh, station to that side of the ground um, you can get the tube along to Baker Street from from King's Cross, uh, the Bakerloo that's the brown line north towards Harlow and Wheelsden, that'll take you to Wembley Central and you can also uh, walk out of King's Cross down the road to Euston Station and get an overground train that goes up from Euston to Watford Junction um, if you want to go down Wembley Way uh, you've got to head towards Wembley Park which is on the Metropolitan that's the purple line and the Jubilee line, that's the grey or silver line, uh, and you can get those, uh, yeah, again, from from Baker Street uh, will take you, uh, I think the Metropolitan line actually runs straight through um, straight through King's Cross, so you can you can get on at King's Cross and get off at Wembley, Wembley Park, which is the, the station for Wembley Way if you, if you need your tickets. The latest we found out, uh, I think the club just put up, that you can either print your ticket or you can just have it on your phone 
um, have the QR code on your phone and you'll be able to get in the ground that way so you don't need to print it out. And uh, they've brought in a, a bylaw to say that you can't drink around the stadium on the street, so just be aware of that. There are uh, designated pubs and there's also like that box part that people have been talking about as well. So that's my pub- public information. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be hearing that all day on Saturday, Rich, which tube to get on. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, you know. I mean, I've lived and worked in London, and some, uh, you know, I, I I know it reasonably well, and and some people do, but some people this will be the first time, or maybe it's the first time they travel down on the train. They've usually got on the coach, so um, it's it. Hopefully, that's a little bit helpful for people, and you can always, you know. Um, Google uh, a tube map and it'll tell you. But they, those are both in Zone Four on the uh, on the on the tube map. Gav, yeah, I, I will just add as well. Um, I found the easiest way to get around was just using Google Maps, which pretty much everybody has on the phone. It'll tell yeah. you what to do. It'll tell you where to go. It'll tell you what tube to get on. Yeah, it's the most yeah, it's the most straightforward way to get around. So just make sure you you stick by that and you should be all right. Yeah, certainly. And uh, yeah, get in the ground nice and early as well. Give yourself plenty of time. Rushing around's no good for anyone. Certainly, uh, it won't be good for me with my uh, post-COVID symptoms. I'm hoping that they've got those lifts that get you to the top. Because seriously, I'll, I'll I'll need to go to sleep if I have to climb all the way up to the top of that ground. Uh, and they've got escalators as well, though, don't they? It's all get posh inside. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I hope everyone enjoys that. There's um, there's obviously there's going to be loads of pre-match con- content on uh, RokeReport.com. Uh, we've got the Max Power podcast. We've got the Simon O'Rourke podcast. If you haven't heard them, uh, stick them on in your ears on the way down to Wembley. Uh, they'll pass a good hour and a half. And then me and Ant have just launched the new Roker Report Lasses podcast, which is out now on its own feed. Go into your podcatcher and type in Roker Report the lasses and it'll bring it up. And it's also all over our social media. And we've got a season review of the the Sunderland FC women's team uh, last season and by the time this comes out we'll also have an interview with Sunderland's former centre back and uh, massive Sunderland fan Gemma Wilson who will be joining us down in in Wembley as well uh, and that's a, a really nice chat I had with her she's a she's a proper good lass and somebody who's who's dedicated her entire football career to our club so there's loads to go on uh, final words Ant. Uh, you, are you is is this calmed your nerves at all, or are you? Uh, oh, no, is it made you even worse? No. You know what? Watching that Forest game, and obviously, you know, seeing the picture vision, obviously, what's happened at Billy Sharp is disgusting. But seeing all them celebrations, and I was like, just please win yeah. on Saturday, please, yeah, please just win. I can't take it anymore. Can't, you can't take another defeat at Wembley, can we? You know what I mean? It's um, it's gonna be. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be an enjoyable day, like seeing 50-odd thousand Sunderland fans there. I just hope that, and I believe that the, the team can do it yeah. and just give it, just send us home happy, I think. you know, Just good luck. Good luck, lads. Yeah, good luck, lads. And it's going to be such a bloody huge party when we do <laughs> win on Saturday. Uh, I'm so looking forward to that. Uh, Gav, your, your final words, your final thoughts before we leave the listeners. Just enjoy it. Everybody who's listening, just enjoy it. Listen, if we don't win, you'll still make memories because it's it's great to watch your team at Wembley. It doesn't matter whether you're playing League One or not. I've been there now. This will be me fifth time, fourth with Sunderland, I think. Possibly. I can't remember. It's been that many times. And I've I've got memories of every trip I've ever had at Wembley and it'll it'll always live with you. 
that weekend away with your family, with your mates, with, your, with whoever you're going with. Mm-hmm. So just enjoy it. I'm going to look forward to just getting down there, getting round Trafalgar Square the night before. Like we said before, though, make sure you've got something left in the tank um, for match Definitely. day. We don't want we don't want another situation like we had with Charlton where everyone was too hungover to actually <laughs> um, sing. We, we are vastly outnumbering this, this Wickham fan base and we need to make our voice heard. We need to make it like a home game. But... Yeah, and we're you, Rich. We're gonna win. I'm so confident, and I just feel as though the players have given us that confidence over a number of months now, and that's why we're so assured that we're gonna do the job. And let's just hope, fingers crossed, that everything goes to plan. Definitely, we'll leave you with that. Thanks everyone for listening. How we're the lads. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.